Welcome to Devil's Trap Podcast, where in this episode, we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 7, The Hookman, covering all the urban legends disclosed within. We're talking about The Hookman, The Dead Boyfriend, and Don't Turn on the Lights. We'll also talk about how Liz feels about seeing Dean dig a grave. And also, why serial killers should just be called Buttface. <laughs> Let's go. This week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast, where we talk about episode seven of season one. Uh, if you've been watching over the holidays, if fans or newbies to the series, it's been marathoning a lot. So hopefully you're keeping up with us as we, uh, as we get into this week's episode. I'm Diana. I'm Liz. Woohoo. All right. So that wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> hey. Come on now. Uh, no, it, it was it was gorgeous, and I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about the Hookman because I was wondering, you know, this, if this was going to be one of those episodes that scared Diana. Um, but I guess we'll have to find out about that. Uh, so happy New Year! It's 2021. We beat 2020 into the ground, then kicked it, and then I threw some gasoline on it and some matches, and yeah. And then start, and the new year came and it was just like another day. <laughs> Everything's the same, but it's okay because we will get better this year. Um, yeah. Yeah. So to celebrate that, I am drinking sparkly goodness because I did not drink on New Year's Eve. I don't think, I think I mainly like was on my couch watching, uh, I don't even remember what I was watching. Maybe I was watching Sabrina. I think maybe was, that was. I think a, you were watching Sabrina that day. You said. Yeah. yeah. So I was watching the end of Sabrina, which we can do another podcast on that because I am not happy about how that show ended. Uh-oh. But um, no spoilers. I'm only halfway through. I'm not spoiling it. I can just say, God, really? This is how you're going to end this fucking show. Um, but so I am drinking a cava, um, which is a Pata Negra cava from Espana. I am, uh, I'm drinking a uh, high rum toddy. That's, that sounded tasty to me tonight. So I've got a, a high rum caliber with uh, some hot water, lemon and cinnamon and honey and sipping on that because it's a little chilly tonight and I don't like winter and I like a hot toddy. Uh, so that's my cheers in my, in my head, head girl giant mug that Liz made me in my Slytherin colors. Woo-hoo. See, but you know, I know you don't like winter, but you can't drink hot toddies in the summer. I mean, you no, can, it's but it's just weird. It's yeah. So, unless you're sick, and then you can drink a hot toddy. Because, yeah. but then I, you're then I would to, do right. It's like a rule. Well, and I would do that with whiskey instead of rum because oh, yeah. I feel like whiskey cures more in my illnesses than rum does. Yeah, I'm just not typically a huge whiskey drinker. I did have a hot toddy with a, a really good uh, hot toddy this weekend. I went out briefly. Um, we uh, had dinner with friends at uh, one of our favorite restaurants in Bishop Arts and then went over to one of our favorite bars in Dallas called Double Wide. Uh, we wanted to see they've, they've reopened um, despite 
COVID restrictions as a uh, with some with food offerings uh, and seated only service. So um, we popped over there to see how things were going in their world and to support our our friends that are there and uh, had some cocktails and chatted and it was a little quieter than it normally would be on a Saturday night, which was a little hard. And then um, they made a really good, they're doing their own apple cinnamon whiskey and making hot toddies out of it. And it was delicious, but they always have great like seasonal drink offerings for being a, a, a for being a trailer themed bar. Um, so that was tasty. I love how you're like sad. And I, I think it's sad for in terms of revenue, you know, that you're sad that a place is less crowded. And I'm like, oh my God, the place is less crowded. I will um, totally go there now. No, and I get it. And we were there to socialize with, and catch up with a, uh, a friend of ours that we hadn't seen in a while. So um, it was nice to be able to sit and talk comfortably. It's just, you know, I, I when we were getting there, I'm like, I hope there's space and there was space, but um it's, you know, usually a pretty, uh, on a weekend night, especially a pretty hopping spot. And uh, to, A, it was very nice to be able to sit and talk and have comfortable space to be, but it was also thinking about how things would have been, you know, just one year ago, even um, it was a, a stark contrast uh, to our nightlife, I guess. And that, but that part was the weird part for me, but, but it was nice to be able to go there at all and support local businesses in a safe manner. That was good. So, uh, but yeah, we got to do that. That's how we start off our new year was seeing friends. And after we um, painted a bedroom, a room in our house and decided that we never want to paint another room in our house again, and we'll pay people next time we need to do that because I mean, we're still, my husband and I are still married and we're not mad at each other. Um, <laughs> and uh, we didn't get in any real big fights, but at the same time, you know, when you paint the smallest room in your house, where only 50% of the walls need paint because it's mostly tile and it still takes two goddamn days. I was just over. So that's where I'm at. That's my weekend. My happy 2021 <laughs> to me. I've got a beautiful new bathroom now that's freshly painted and looks lovely. And uh, I got to go see uh, a bar that uh, our friend, support a friend's business that we hadn't been to in some time. So, and then back to work, back to reality, all that good stuff today. Yay, back to work. Though some of us never left. It is really shitty when you get into work. Everyone's like, I hope you're all well rested and you just want to punch them in the face. I'm like, yeah, hope you enjoyed your time off, motherfuckers, while I did all the work. Just kidding. I love all you guys. I know we, you work all, you work really hard too. <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, Meh. I want to I want pay time off too. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start whining if I start talking about work nope. on my weekend. So we're going to move into this episode. So Into the episode where it starts off at... Uh, all right, hold on. Before we get into, the, I'll set the tone. I'll let Liz give the background. I always want to jump right in. I know like, you're so Here's excited. Here's where we're at in the sorority like, house, wait, and Liz is wait. like, I need to give you the background. Okay. All right, Liz, give us the give us the lowdown on this episode. All right. So this episode, Hookman, first aired October twenty fifth, two thousand five. Although originally um, Eric Kripke wanted to do it earlier in the series, like he was wanting to do it after Windigo, and because he wanted to have more urban legendy stuff up front. And then I don't know if he decided to move it or somebody else did. But it was directed by David Jackson, and this is the only episode that he did. Um, I did read that some 
somewhere that Kim Manners, who's credited as a co-executive EP on this, was brought in to help co-direct as well, even though that was not the credits, uh, but just because Jackson wanted to get the scare across more because he didn't think he was getting the, the horror vibe in. Um, and so uh, writing credit goes to John Chabon. Um, and that's really all I have in the background at this point. It's a small one. You know, it's one and done. Uh, we're still early on. Uh, we'll start getting more themes to be good for the love. But all right, that's it. I got background. So now, Diana, <clears throat> where are we starting? We're starting at Eastern Iowa University at a sorority house where a girl comes out in a button-down shirt asking if it was okay to go out in and asked if it was to Martha Stewart, to her roommate, who encourages her strongly to change into a super cute red halter top and she does okay um, but so you say super cute red halter top and when she put it on it looked better but when she took it out of the drawer i was just like did you just take out a teddy yeah no no totally. <laughs> I, was I was like, like i was like oh we're taking this to 11 and i was like okay no she looks really cute so she put in the cute halter top um and um they agree that she's good to go out and uh i was amused by the line where the roommate uh taylor says um don't do anything I wouldn't do. And uh, we figure out this girl, the, the girl leaving on to go out on a date is Lori. And she said, there's nothing you wouldn't do. And Taylor responds with, it's true. Uh, so <laughs> that, that, that's, 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 that's for this episode. I was amused by the exchange because I'm like, mm, I probably had that conversation with a friend at some point. Probably. Although I did wonder if we should get your sister to guest on this episode just because we may have needed the sorority experience. Sorority girl, sorority girl expert. If you can't guess, neither Diana or I were in a sorority. So no. shockingly, we did not participate in those type of school activities in no. any of the, the many universities I went to. I never joined. I think I went to like one frat party in, when I was an undergrad. And I think I walked in and went, what the fuck is this douchery? And then walk, turned around and walked out. See, I went to actually quite a few frat parties. And I considered to go in uh, one sort of briefly at the first university I attended, as we talk about lists of schools we went to. Um, but it was kind of a, but the, the, it was Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth. And uh, I went there for my first couple of years of my undergrad. And they, uh, they didn't have like Greek house, Greek life on campus as far as like houses. Um, and they actually had a fraternity that was an independent fraternity. So it wasn't part of any of the larger international Greek structure or national Greek structure at all. And it was all like the borderline, like, like the guy who might've played football, but also played guitar, that kind of group. So it was like the overlap of like some of the alternative, you know, alternative folks that weren't like too edgy <laughs> and so they had good parties at clubs and stuff because if they didn't have a house they'd have to like rent out a bar or a club and have parties there and that was usually okay that's my story no, but no yeah touching. and then my, and then my sister was in a sorority um uh at, at texas tech so um that's her uh she's yeah she's she's one of our favorite people but she's, she's lived a very different people she lived a very different life <laughs> so she, she, she walks a much different path so but, anyways, all right. All right. So she mm. leads to go on her date and then, you know, he pulls off underneath the bridge. Because that's not creepy on a date at all. No, because I mean, okay. And we're going to, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, choices you make during the, during the show. <laughs> um, but, and I'm all for spooky spook. You know, I'm like, hey, yeah, give me like, let's do some fun spooky things. But you're like, hey, I'm going to take you underneath this abandoned bridge in the middle of nowhere. My first thought is, oh my God, this guy is going to fucking kill me. Yeah. It's not 
we're gonna make out i'm like you were taking me here to murder me yeah. i do not feel sexy right now i feel afraid and i'm going to shoot you or something because i probably would have a gun on a date or something but <laughs> anyway so he's like oh you know like we, we don't want to be early like right. that would be lame mm-hmm. Ugh, whatever mm. Uh, so her dad calls and she throws out their voicemail and they go back to smooching on her flip phone on her flip phone was a nice flip phone um and he tries to go to second and she shoots him down and he says okay and i'm like all right he's a respectable guy he's going with this and then he tries again and then he tries again because not a respectable guy um so while he's being a dick we see a guy in in, with a hook hand in the woods which is like okay creepy but then the asshole starts scraping his hook across a dead ensign jerk that is just rude why do you need to do that like you got a hook cool just some like, property damage i mean just some general property damage just those, are, those are our tax dollars that paid for that sign god damn it i don't even care about the property I damage i just don't want to hear something squeaky <laughs> like that sound oh my god nails he, on a chalkboard <laughs> nails on a chalkboard there's i really am sensitive to a lot of sounds i don't like nails on a chalkboard i really hate the sound that the cotton ball inside of medicine bottles makes when you're taking it out oh my god that is like the most disgusting sound it's just, it's like shh <laughs> And all the people who are in ASMR, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you want to hear soft things whispering in your ear. Excuse me. It's so (laughs) gross. Give me me vibrant sounds, not screechy shit. Okay. So, and then he two screeched it across the nine mile road sign. And And then I kept, and he disappears. And I kept thinking about like Eminem. Eight mile. <laughs> I thought about that too. I'm like, why is something always at like a mile road? And I'm like, eight mile. Wait. I'm like, oh, that's Iowa. Never mind. I got excited for me. I'm like, oh, is Detroit. This M&M? That's Detroit. I know. That's why I was like, oh, never mind. Oh, he's in Iowa. I, I, so. I thought you were saying like that he was in Iowa. So it couldn't be you. near I got Eminem. You, I was like, oh, it's only a mile away from Eminem's house. But no, wrong state. Either way. But I was amused. <laughs> um, so yeah. So he's dragging her out. And I also was like, like this is very it wasn't this i know what you did last summer e as well at this point yeah so there's when we get get into kind of the lore there's going to be a number of urban legends that are kind of smushed right. into this yeah. and so because there's so many of them a lot of them get picked up in yeah. those type of movies so we you can see references going back if you if you're into the horror oeuvre so there's a scraping sound and the dude's like i'm gonna get out of the car and look because why would you not leave that would be my instinct like you know like, or at least oh. maybe maybe look out the window but like wh- what's your plan man you go you open the door and you see something what you gonna do like why don't we just leave go yeah. to the party you know, bow up bra i mean like you've got nothing with you like just yeah that's yep. when you leave and like oh maybe it's a good time to head out Nope. She's so, not let me touch your boob and there's creepy noises outside. Exactly. Let's like leave. you're clearly not getting anywhere. Why don't you go get wasted? That seems like a much better opportunity for your date night. So <laughs> and like and maybe if you get her drunk, you can get to second base. Not condoning that. I'm just saying that's probably what he's thinking. Okay. So um, while he's so, at, while he's out of the car. <laughs> while he's out of the car, <laughs> we see an invisible hook scratching against the metal. So we get some more metal scratch. <laughs> and ruining a paint job. At least it was a shitty car. Um so Ruben's that and then the tires go flat then there's windshield i wrote windshield flashes but i think i meant to write that the window like cracked i think that's what happened uh she so he's yeah he's outside and then she can't see him anymore so she locks herself inside it's all like this whatever it is is like beating on the car um 
And so she's kind of freaking out. And then she hears noises on the roof of the car. And then she's like, nope, locking myself in was a terrible idea. I need to run because I don't see my dude and I don't know what's going on. And there's all these awful noises that sound like nails on chalkboard. Oh yeah, yeah, it's unpleasant. <laughs> so she decides to get out of the vehicle and start to run towards a path and looks back. And that's when she sees her date hanging upside down from the bridge over the car and the noise scratching the top is his hands dragging across the roof of the car and it's real bloody. Yeah, so Hermione question, would, would hands driving across dragging across the roof of a car make that kind of noise i mean he could have been wearing a ring i don't know okay. that's all i got that's all i got yeah because it was, was very like, metallic sounding and that was not i good. know and i was like that's a that's a hand okay cool um all right it, so it would be a noise just not quite that noise so all right so for later emergency acknowledge okay we had a dead boyfriend hanging upside down girl was running and she wasn't going to look back and then she looked back and saw him so that'll yep. come into things later so that's noted number one all right and she gonna... never saw and she never saw like she she all she saw was the boyfriend like she she didn't see the attacker of any kind at this point so yep all right so we flash scenes to the brothers Our boys sitting at a coffee shop talking about being pissed about not being able to find dad yeah so at first i was like saying why are you on a pay phone you got a cell phone and then i guess because he was calling the fbi so you're calling the fbi looking for dad uh drinking a coffee that dean makes fun of sam for getting which also kind of mm -hmm. sounded delicious because sometimes you do want like a, a crazy karen coffee uh -huh. but I, and for the most part i just drink coffee black uh but i was like dang that sounds delicious Same. and then i was like i would have to leave my house to get that and so <laughs> I'm just going to be sad here or pay like $20 to get it delivered from DoorDash. And I have not, have not stooped to that level. Yeah, that's um, extreme. That's extreme. Yeah. So they're looking for dad and, have, and hitting like dead ends on that. Not to make a dead end reference again. Um, and um, bum. Oh, no, I couldn't resist. And then um, while they're shuffling through that, um, Dean uh, points out a report about um, a, a case where basically the case that we just saw where um the killer is described as invisible um so he uses that as his final way to convince sam that they should go investigate this while they're still trying to figure out where dad is yep so yeah we get our classic maybe this is us maybe it isn't us maybe this is us maybe it's not us and then we're like okay now we know it's us because we see the we see baby driving so we're yeah. on the road and they have and they play a song here um that uh, it struck me because i was the first thing i thought of when i heard the song was something in the vein of super suckers, but I knew it wasn't super suckers. Um, so I had to look it up. It's a song called Supercharged by the Scheme and No Goods. Uh, they're banned out of Detroit. Um, their only album came out in 2004, but it was on Idol Records, which is actually based in Dallas. So it was kind of interesting. Um, and uh, their reviews and things like that, they're described as kind of like, like riverboat gamblers kind of style. So it was kind of interesting. I was like, huh. And then from what I can tell, this song was used in the original episode, from what I can tell. Wrong, but, I, but that's what it would look like from my my quick research on it but the band is now defunct from what i can see too so Aww, they a lot band. of the, a lot of the ones we're coming across um in these episodes especially when i get excited about them tend to be <laughs> defunct but there we go so that was the, that's the probably, music playing in this scene yeah they're probably like hey these guys are real cheap because they're not around anymore and then right. their royalties are not going to be that big exactly 
Yep. That's how, that's right. how Netflix use their music. Okay. So we, we get into a new town, which is, you know, the same Eastern Iowa university town. And mm -hmm. there's some guys there fixing a real shitty car. And they, go person, to the, they go to the victim's frat house. That's where they're showing up at. Yeah. The victim's frat, frat house. house. And there's like three guys like working on a car on a BMW. No one works on their own fucking BMW, especially a, like a late model BMW. I'm just saying that's okay. Yeah, no, and then of course, like I, you in in body trouble problems right now. So I was like, so I was like, man, maybe these guys can come help fix my car. But <laughs> I don't think I, they I don't would. know. I mean, if, they're working on a BMW. I question their judgment. I so. I saw the tools they were using. My tools are better, at least. So those of you who have not heard my Jeep sagas, I've been trying to adjust, put a new top on and some screws got stripped and I've had like 20 different friends weigh in in different ways to get these screws out and there was nothing I could do to get them out and I finally like caved and went to people who have uh, a professional off-roading shop and was like, can you help me? I'm a sad little girl and I don't know how to use tools. Um, and then thankfully, <laughs> thankfully they were, at least they had a lot of trouble getting them out to you. So it wasn't just, cause there's always that like fear, like you take something in that you oh, really, yeah. I've been struggling with this for days and then some of just goes in and goes, Oh, and like twists it and it's yeah. fine. Yeah, but exactly. at least like they, it took them like 30 minutes to figure out how to get them out to you. So oh, yeah. anyways, okay. So we're at the frat house and so that's their alibi for this show, for this episode. Yeah. They're visiting, visiting frat brothers from a different school. Which I don't think that works like that, but cool. All right, sure. They're a very accepting fraternity. They're like, yeah. sure, just move in here. Yeah, go crush, go, go crush with the guy painting himself purple. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and then I started, you know, kind of just like wondering, like, do they get special like body paint to paint yourself purple for like school things? I, I don't know because I've never painted myself for. I've painted myself for costumes. Um, same same concept, I think. Yeah, I I once did like a oh, I can't even remember what villain I was being with some superhero, but I was painting myself all red. But then I didn't realize that I was gonna have to pee at some point, mm -hmm. and the party was at my house, so I was like, oh man, how am I gonna like? I was like, I can't sit on the toilet. Like if I sit on the toilet, <laughs> there this is gonna be red all over the seat. We're probably never getting it out. We're not getting our deposit back. So, note of caution: if you're gonna paint your entire body a color. Think about when you had to pee. All right, so um, they're painting. Um, Sam helps guy start painting himself purple, and Dean just barrels right into. So heard this guy died. <laughs> like all right, yeah, just really subtle, very subtle. So subtle. I mean, I guess they're not wasting any time, but you yeah, know, hey, yeah. guy died. But the kid yeah. also is just like, yeah, and he Ooh. just like starts running into details, including the fact that, you know, he was a Lori Sorensen and, oh, she's hot and a preacher's yeah, daughter. A preacher, yes. mm -hmm. So I guess there's some trope about like those girls being extra naughty or yeah. something. Yeah. Something, something like that. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, yep. So now we're going to cut to the church yep. and we've got the Reverend. He's up there and he's preaching about the tragedy and yes. Sam and Dean come in and they're just making a ruckus. And then Lori checks out Sam and I'm like, damn girl, your boyfriend literally was just hanging upside down. And like, eh, and I don't think he was her boyfriend. He was like a first date, I think. But okay. either way, her, her dude just died on the dude. She was on a date with just got fucking murdered brutally. And now she's making eyes in her dad's church as Sam. 
Well, maybe that is true what they say about preacher's daughters. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but I was like, you know, you can be by yourself for a little bit. Like, that's fine too. You know, you don't need to jump right into things, but um, okay. Maybe she's a serial monogamous. We don't know. No judgment here. You do you, girl. Uh, so, After, so church gets out and she goes to her sorority, her roommate, Taylor is um, talking to her and trying to like encourage her to come hang out on a, on Sunday night with uh with her sorority sisters and, and she's saying that she's got dinner with dad and um well, well, and not, you forgot what they were doing with the sorority sisters no i've got it okay tequila okay. shots and re- tequila <laughs> shots and reality bites that's they're gonna watch that's what their plan was yeah at one time i watched that movie a lot and now i was like i really dislike both ethan hawk and winona Ryder in that movie and i don't think i want to watch it again i'm aware of the movie and noted it but i don't know if i've ever seen it <gasps> okay well you do have you are required to watch it I mean, is that's, it required you, watching that is a required every woman must watch that movie at some point especially any woman who you know was raised in our era okay uh, you're slightly younger than me but you still are required to watch it sorry girl um, and it has a really good soundtrack for the time uh, I, I mean i think i've seen most of it but we'll see i'll, I'll check it out again one of these okay. all right so um yeah, so afterwards, um, Sam and Dean are basically going to introduce themselves to her um, and, uh, and and the preacher, her dad, after church, so they, they can try to get some more intel on what happened. Um, and Dean had already noticed the little uh, googly eyes between Lori and Sam, so he uh, strategically pulls a good old daddy preacher away so that uh, Sam can talk to Lori more extensively about what happened. Yeah, and at least this time, you know, Sam doesn't look creepy while he is doing that. Like, it actually makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes sense. The conversation makes sense. And um, and then, uh, you know, he tries, he's trying to connect with her. And uh, as they're leaving afterwards, um, you know, because they're departing, um, it's uh, Dean asks Sam, so you believe her? And Sam says, Yes, I do. And Dean responds with, yeah, I think she's hot too. So. Yeah, Dean, <laughs> he's got, yeah, we've got some douche meter things for Dean on this one. I don't know if he's going to mm-hmm. be able to survive this episode. The douche meter may get pushed beyond, but all right. So I also have a very, I have a douche meter one for myself because I have on there, you know, <clears throat> when Dean was pulling the reverend away so Sam could talk to her, I put, so Sam could pump the girl for info. Um, mm-hmm. So my douche meter also went up. So I, I, I'm right there with you, Dean, today. We're, roll, we're rolling on that train together. All right, oh, so- man. Now we're going to go into the library. So this is the university library, and we're going to have many things to talk about this library. I have many, as a librarian, I have many, many notes on this. But, okay, so we're we're in the library, and so Sam starts telling Dean, and Dean says, whoa, you know, bloody bodies suspended over the car. Sounds like the Hookman legend, and it doesn't. It does not sound like the Hookman legend at all. It sounds Hmm. like the dead boyfriend urban legend. We'll talk about that difference later, but you're wrong, Dean. Um, but they start talking about how you know, every urban legend has a source where it all began. I was like, or every urban legend has like a morality or something that needs to be told, and somebody made it up and it got passed around. So, um, so then they're sitting at a table, and the librarian starts bringing them arrest records going back to 1851. Well, why are those at the college library? Yeah, the the library had some really interesting uh, stuff, and I, yeah, I their collection is awesome. Well. It's, yeah, I mean, it's pretty intense and in, in detailed 
collection that they have at this library. Yeah, I mean, you guys have everything. You have the best library collection I've ever seen. And also, I'm just going to drop these 1851 records on this desk, and they're going to be in this archival box. And here you go, friends. Just, just look um, and then, of course, we get Dean pushing on the douche meter when she drops it, and he chucks out her butt as she walks away. And, you know, ask Sam, you know, so this is how you spent, you know, your 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 college career or whatever. And Sam's like, welcome to higher education. Uh, but, mm. and then I was like, well, it was like, no, I guess it actually, if Sam was a law student, he probably would be, could be looking through things like arrest records, maybe. I'm trying to stretch yeah. and make this work for him. But I was like, maybe. okay, yeah. But so then we get our first clue. We get our first clue about what happened. In 1862, a preacher was arrested for killing 13 prostitutes. They figured out that he had done it with a hand that had been replaced with a hook. And it happened on Nonmail Road. Uh-oh. So all these things are going together. Um, so, yeah, I also, so they were, the people who were found in the bed were suspended from the limbs of trees as a warning against sins of the flesh freaking morality police but um okay so yeah we so we got our first thing so we had a preacher his name was jacob so jake uh lost his hand placed it with a hook yep. um 1862 all mm-hmm. right so they now they're processing this information and we go back to Lori, and i'm just calling him the rev um so Lori and the rev are in the car <laughs> and they're fighting about living in their it, live her living in the dorm with all her bad influence friends and she does yeah. the best 18 year old but yeah I'm an adult you yeah. know just that argument like I can take care of myself I can make my own decisions I'm 18 damn it but also I'm like okay obviously this is not far from home so it's like so can you yeah she's like down the street apparently from their house yeah. so I think yeah. I think you're right dad yeah, yeah. Let, her, let her live with her friends um, so we get we get a sweet shot of an Avril Lavigne poster inside the dorms uh, or inside the sorority uh, house <laughs> I missed that um, one yeah and uh and she uh, goes in and um, the lights are all off in her room. So she's under the impression that her roommate, Taylor, who's a little bit a little risque, is, is asleep. Um, and she was asleep. She was asleep. Sure. Um, I think she was asleep. I don't know. So um, she goes and she goes into the bathroom, presumably to get ready. She doesn't turn on a light. Um, and then she, you know, she gets into her bed. And, and then behind see, the door. Ah! Yeah. That's, I mean, but also, I mean, you know, so you're sleeping with the door open too. So, okay. Um, I guess <laughs> sorority houses, you do that. You know, it's not like our apartments, no. I guess, or bedrooms, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't know. A little if, weird, if you live in yeah. a sorority, tell me if you shut your door. I don't know. Um, anyway, so Taylor's sleeping and we're back on the road. My first question was like, why aren't the cops watching this place? So, you know, we, we get Dean, we get Trunk. Hey, Trunk. Yay, Trunk. With with some uh, f- firepower, with rock salt rounds. Yeah, so Diana, this is the first time you get to see the world of rock salt shells, uh, which I think is ingenious if you're fighting ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was excited about this. Yes. Um, I do think, however, your choice of an over-under or just a double barrel was inappropriate. I would have gone with an automatic. Because yeah, or, or just say, I mean, like, just straight up, like, pump-action tactical seems very reasonable in this situation. Like, come yeah, on I mean, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, two shells. I mean, we already know, Sam, like, you're not the best shot with these things lately. At least <laughs> not that we're seeing. Like, maybe you, no. maybe you want more than one. Like, you, you might know. need some more range time, I'm just saying. But, yeah. I mean, I, I do too, so it's okay. Yeah. But, he's been uh, in college for a while, so, he, you know, he's a little out of practice. 
practice. So at this point, maybe get something that has more than two shelves in it. Well, maybe. Um, so, but then I'm like, oh, the cops are watching the place. Oops. Yes. Because, <laughs> um, well, I will say my, one of my thoughts when they got out there, by the way, was I literally wrote down, please don't fuck up baby with the hook was one of my notes in this point, because I'm like, they're by nine mile road. That's where all the shit goes down. And they fucked up that other guy's car. So this hook man best not fuck up baby's paint job and body work because that shit's pristine. But yeah, that's, where, that, I that is that's a, where I was upset. That is a valid fear. As, that as, is a, as, she, as, as my baby, my duchess is currently getting uh, re-clear coated right now. So I'm like, oh, fuck. She's, she's getting made pretty. And yet no hook man will, no hook man will get her. She'll be fine. Mm-hmm. No um, all right, so um, so they're they're getting thrown on the ground, hands on cuffs. They're like, "Oops, going to jail, Sher- boys." Sher- sheriff was definitely watching that site, looking for something to happen. And good on you, sheriff. I was like, "Okay, this is at least like you're doing some something of police work here." Yeah, which is probably some of the most extensive police work we've seen on any episode so far. <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, the cops actually like doing something cool, cool." All right, so um. It, this scene ends with them on their stomachs with the sheriff's taken right or sheriff's department getting ready to take him in and then it cuts over to oh i think i jumped again a little bit on Lori going to bed and um, that's when you see the guy behind her door yeah that um, was in the last scene yeah okay and then uh so we're, we're back to Lori's dorm though at this point and she's slowly waking up <clears throat> and kind of opens her eyes and sees i guess the way her bed's configured looking over at her roommate's bed and sees blood dripping on the floor and looks up a little bit more and sees her roommate is a bloody mess and obviously did she did Uh, she did and it's scraped into the wall uh are the words aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light and there's like this uh funky kind of cross carved below that yeah that's a jerusalem cross but so yeah it's 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 hard to tell the way it was carved too but yeah yeah i know but, you know, so, I mean, I'm not going to even symbolism behind that. There isn't really that much of one, but. So, um, obviously she screams because as yeah, you would. She screams point. a lot and she screams some more. All right. So we got lots of screaming. Um, so then we're going to cut to uh, Dean and Sam leaving the sheriff's office where Dean explains that he got away because he told the sheriff that he was hazing Sam, that he was a, a silly pledge. <laughs> um <laughs> And then all of a sudden, everybody starts running out of the sheriff's office, and they peel away, lights blaring, and so now they're, and then Sam and Dean, like, okay, I guess we need to follow them, because Mm -hmm. clearly, this is something to do with us. Right, because that's all that ever happens. Yeah, so they're they're ambulance chasing, and then uh, they're driving by the Soho house, um, the Soho house, and so they and Lori's just sitting in the ambulance wrapped in a blanket, and she and Sam have this like longing Bye. face moment as, as it walks by. Googly eyes, yeah. They're very good. Yep. They're kind of sad, longing eyes, but yes. Yeah. Um, and so the sheriff wants to keep her for questioning, but the Rav convinces her, to, convinces him to let her go. I mean, dad, dad had a point. Dad says straight up, arrest her or let me take her home. And it's like, okay, she ain't being detained. You have to release her, sir. Sorry. All right. All right. Props to Rev for, uh, <laughs> civil, for civil liberties knowledge here. <laughs> Not that this yeah, a little is bit. Advice, I'm just saying. <sighs> That's true. Um, okay, so um, the guys pull around to a back street, um, and then they hop a bunch of fences, whatever. So you guys really good in those skills. So I'm mm-hmm. glad you're keeping that up. Um, so the parkour game is on point. 
Um, and then they get over there, and then Dean makes a <laughs> sorority girl house. Whenever mm. we get to see a naked pillow fight, and then like douche meter is just like wah, 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 wah. And off, so the, off the charts on that. It's one, just much. going off. It's like, oh, did you? Did you have yeah. to? You no, know, man. Um, and so they find an open window, and guess where it leads? directly into Lori's room of course well hopefully next to it because they're actually when they're there the room next to it well, but it was, so that's true. it was like the closet but yeah yeah and they're also having the discussion you know while they're there like well why would the hookman come here because this is a you know pretty far off in the nine mile road mm -hmm. and then they're like well maybe he's ha not haunting the scene of the crime and so that's you know important plot right. exposition like okay it could be about something else what are we thinking what else could this be and so when they're climbing up to that window it was just really funny because you just hear the background noise of uh dean falling on top of sam and like oh sorry then be quiet no you be quiet no, you be quiet it was really funny and that made me giggle so yay boys uh, okay and so also yeah again we've got one of those midwestern uh police scenes who work a crime scene like fucking rabbits man that thing there was evidence so tags everywhere there was Done. nothing they were they weren't collecting Done. anything maybe they just go winter like they just have some numbers like one two three four and they Boom. just like put them out and like we have yeah. worked a scene the justice the justice system in the midwest is exceedingly fast apparently at least according to the writers of the show yeah their so. csi their csi is on point they are just right? the fastest crime scene investigation you have ever seen y'all are just getting everything down <laughs> good for you um, um, so, yeah, nobody's in the room nobody's yeah. <laughs> they all walked out left it unattended no one's guarding it or anything um and then the guys noticed the symbol carved into the wall underneath the aren't you glad you didn't uh turn on the lights uh writing and um, yeah. and their comment is do you recognize that <clears throat> and uh yeah so they go to yeah we're gonna pause there because we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to veer off for some lore here. All uh, right. Because because when they get in there, the and Sam notices it says, "Aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light?" That's right out of the legend. And I'm like, "No, it's not." Well, kinda. Okay. So at this so. point. We've got three urban legends that are happening in here. So we have the hook man, which is the one they're talking about, right? They keep saying this is the hook man. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also have the dead boyfriend and then the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights. Mm -hmm. So don't turn on the light. So according to, I did some just it's, that are is just- this, Are we going into lore now or are yeah, you just we are, going Yeah, we're going to lore. Right. So hold I'm on. Going into lore. So going into lore. Going into lore. Go for it. Okay. All right. So don't turn on the light. So the first one, I'm just going to give like the brief overview of what Snope says. So this is that urban legend is typically a female college student returns to her dorm room late one evening and discovers her roommate has been murdered. So we're all like all the different versions that are around are some kind of take on that. There are some horrifying versions where there's a dead dog and licking and that legend goes back to at least to 1871. I'm not fucking talking about that one because there's a dead dog and so fuck mm -mm. nope 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 not nope. talking we about don't, it. we don't do that we don't do that nope um, okay, so but really like kind of once everything is boiled away, the same basic storyline is there in both. There's a young woman, she's oblivious to a killing taking place somewhere in close proximity to her, and just how close the call was is revealed in some kind of note by the murderer. And so, you know, kind of the moralistic or the why is just, you know, we fear becoming victims of random violence, and we fear being vulnerable in an unsafe world. And so the more unsafe we perceive the world to be, the greater the legends like that one are going to grow. Okay, so that's, hmm. don't turn the light. 
so the second is the dead boyfriend. And so now this one, you know, the, the general description, according to Snopes, um, hours after sending her boyfriend in search of gasoline, a girl is rescued from her stranded car by police. Though cautioned not to turn around, she does, and she sees her boyfriend's lifeless body hanging from a tree branch above the car. Now, the earliest, yeah, the earliest version of this um, was documented by folklorist Daniel Barnes in 1964 from a freshman at the University of Canvas, uh, Kansas, not Canvas. That'd be an interesting school. Uh, but so what I think is interesting too, like, so there's American versions of this and there's like British European versions. And so in the American versions, the boyfriend's corpse is hanging upside down from a branch and the fingernails are scraping the car. And in the European versions, usually the madman himself is holding the boyfriend's head in one hand and tapping the roof of the car with his fist or, a, or an axe. So interesting, I think, that Europeans and Americans have taken this and gone a different way. Yeah. But whatever it is, you know, it's pretty much there's the same line of you know, not looking back as like the constant line. Um, something that has changed over time is who tells her not to look back. You know, originally it was kind of like just being some people and involved into the police. Um, just, and kind of that will change too based on whoever is telling the story. Like, oh, well, I know this happened because then, you know, the, you know, Texas police or whatever, you know, the Dallas PD told her not to look around. So it gives yeah. like that sort of like urban legend, like credibility, you know, okay. um, but basically, there is a lot of the girl is always seen as being helpless, and she never leaves the car to look for shit. It's always her boyfriend leaving the car looking for stuff. And so it's always like the guy is going off to be the hero, mm -hmm. and then she's being helpless, and then, you know, he dies. Um, but I'm also then like, hey, maybe like being lazy pays off. Like, he dead. She's yeah, fine. No, no. Feel free to go protect me. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I know uh, so, it's out there. Yeah, so really that's kind of also it's more of that generalized, like, let's not go too far from home. And usually there is kind of a parking aspect to it too. So, you know, but then the one that really gets into the morality of it is the hook man, which is what this is supposed to be based on, but it was only mm -hmm. as kind of. So this one, you know, a couple's late night makeout session is cut short when they hear a report on the car radio by an escaped killer who has a hook for a hand in the vicinity. The girl insists on being driven home immediately. Upon arrival at her house, the boy discovers a bloody hook hanging from the passenger side door handle. Um, so again, this one's been around for a really long time and it's, you know, it's a morality thing. You know, one, mm -hmm. don't go parking in the woods. Two, if you're a good girl, you don't let the guy go too far, then you'll live, right? If you, she had stayed and made out, then they would have died. Um, there's also, I was kind of thinking too about just like the hook perspective in general, like why does this always have a hook, you know? And I found, you know, a really interesting um, article that was from... Um, this place, uh, this the site that it was for uh, for amputees, and really just talking about how like the perception of prostheses are, are basically conveyed in in media and things like that. And so you know, their their take on it was you know a missing hand, a stump, a prosthetic hook, if not a prosthetic arm generally, and very in, it clearly indicate a perceived loss of humanity. With that, amputees, including the hook variety, are seen as if they remove themselves from the whole of society regardless of the fact that the society expels or rejects them the bandwidth. And that's what makes them seem unsafe as they are not part of what is assumed to be the safety of civilization, which I think is just a really interesting take, right? It is. Like, and then my mind goes to the evil dead. So. <laughs> well, the evil dead. Also, there, when I was coming back- a chainsaw to, for a fucking hand. That's a good rejection of society. It is a rejection and also handy. But also, um, but he also makes things safer because he kills the 
anyways, whatever. Yeah, and I did I did pass a homeless man on my way back from Austin today who had uh, was an amputee and he had a sign up that says, help me, I'm on my last leg. And I was oh, like, man. and I was like, damn, like humor points. Humor I was points. like, yep, that was like, you earned some money for that sign, sir. He actually didn't earn money because he was too far away. But good for him for making some some humorous things out of what is a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so it is possible, you know. We always we goes like, well, is this reality? Right? Is what is this right. based on? Did this ever happen? And there are actually a number of Lover's Lane murders. If you just hit that into a DuckDuckGo search, don't use Google, Google people. And so oddly, you know, but what I think was really interesting is that they're usually unsolved. And I think it's maybe it's because it's harder to do uh, to solve stranger murders than it is to to solve those where you know the victim. Like it's, you know, there's a lot smaller places to go from. Um, just a few of the most, the ones I thought were more interesting unsolved cases. Um, so there was the, the, one of the first ones, I think, was in 1930 in Queens. A man attacked two different couples in secluded areas, and he would kill the men and then assault the women and then send her to a bus stop with a letter for the press. And he was never caught. That was 1930. Uh, 1968, uh, some of the first murders attributed to the Zodiac killer, who was also never caught, um, happened in, Benincia, in in California. So those are those are Lovers Lane murders. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 1986 to 1990, four couples were killed off Colonial Parkway in Virginia, also never solved. Um, in 1990, 22-year-old Cheryl Henry and 21-year-old Andy Ackerson were murdered in a cul-de-sac in West Houston, where it was believed they went to make out. A golf club and three golf balls were found pointing to Cheryl's body, like about 200 yards away. So somebody took a golf <laughs> This is in their car. So it was Andy's clubs. They took the clubs out, and they made an arrow out of the, the club and the golf balls to show the police where the body was. That, that, um, gave, me, that, gave, me, that gave me goosebumps. I like yeah. that. Yeah, so also never solved. So there are some, some, there was a DNA match to a, a rape victim uh, that had happened a couple of months before that, but just be, there was a DNA match. They just don't have anybody to match the DNA to. So that was 1990 and you know, it's 2021. It's 21 years. I still has been unsolved. Really sad. Yeah. Um, so, but probably the most well-known and the one that I think really everyone goes like, oh, this is probably where the legend kind of spewed from um, is the Texas Moonlight Murders also known as the Phantom Killer in Texarkana. Ooh, Ooh Texarkana. Oh, Texarkana, all right. Yeah, so for those of you who, are from, who aren't from around these parts, um, Texarkana is really, is talked about if it's one town, but technically it's two towns and they're yeah. right on the Texas-Arkansas border. They have their own separate governments. They're so close that there was a postcard that had a picture of a man on the Texas side with a donkey on a rope on the Arkansas side. And then underneath it, he said, a man in Texas and his ass in Arkansas, which yeah. I just think is adorable. <laughs> I appreciate and- that. I like it. I really do appreciate it. And when I came back from, when I moved back from the East Coast, when like when the first times the world was on fire, um, th- that was like my first like entrance into Texas was like crossing into Texarkana. And like as soon as I saw the Texas side, I just pulled over and cried. And it was like somebody get me some fucking Waterburger and a Lone Star, and I'm just I'm home now. And I'm but yeah, things. All right, so Texarkana, um, which is something I really just never thought about. So it's largely known as kind of like a bad town. So a lot of people settled there because there was weak law enforcement. Uh, in 1888, when the city was just being born, it had 23 saloons. 
23 wow. saloons. It's pretty impressive. They, yeah, I know. And there weren't that many people there. They had 23 bars. So you go Texarkana. Um, so that rough and tumble life, it kind of stuck around for a long time. And while some of those things kind of died down, the red light district did not. And the brothels were around well past World War II. And violence and crime. They still, they still plagued the town, um, even though people were trying to change the image. So, but just the year we're going to talk about, 1946, just to give you an idea of how big the town was, the population was about 52,000, and that included both Texas and Arkansas sides. So oh, wow. not, not a huge amount of people, and you could drive across it in a number of minutes. A uh, matter of minutes, or a number of minutes, I guess they're the same. Hmm. Anyhow, so. In February of 1946, Jimmy Hollis, who was 25, and Mary Jean Larry, who were 19, were parking out at a lover's lane after leaving a movie and having late-night snacks with friends on the way to Mary Jean's house in Hooks, Texas. I just like the fact that she was going to Hooks, and I was like, yeah. oh, there yeah. we go. Nice. Nice. Yep. Yep. So they're in the car and somebody approaches the car and Jimmy was told to get out of the car and take his pants off. Okay. More like somebody screamed at him to take off your goddamn pants. And so really the main reason people think this was done was basically to incapacitate him. So he couldn't run, not necessarily for sexual things, just, you know, right. you can't run if your pants are around your ankles. Yeah, you can, no, but it's, it's awkward and it looks, yeah. it looks real silly too. <laughs> and no one wants to look silly while they're running for their life. That's just, it's just not, that's not cool. Yeah, um, you can't look tough when you're, when you're waddling. No, no. Uh, so he was then pistol whipped across the head and it cracked his skull. And so the attacker then told Mary to run. And so she ran and then he caught up to her because she was running in the woods and heels. And he was like, why are you running? And she's like, cause you told me to run. Yeah. <laughs> so he starts attacking her. Uh, she's unfortunately sexually assaulted with his pistol. Um, yeah, yikes. Um, and they think the attacker was then scared off by headlights. And so he ran off. Um, eventually, she was able to get help. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other backstories that come in here, including, like, he wasn't dead. He, like, asked people to, like, help him. And this car stopped, and there was a guy and a woman in it. And he tried to, like, get in the backseat of the car, and he was like, take me to the hospital. And the guy driving the car was like, no, you'll get blood on my seat. Oh, I know. I'm like, so there are thoughts of, like, maybe they were, like, the people who like maybe they were the reason the people who did it because who would be like you're gonna get blood on my car right. like that is like ultimate dickhead ish but um so eventually though the ambulances arrived the police arrived um and they did both survive but they had very different versions of who their attacker was and the police mm -hmm. like began to just tell mary that she was lying about what her attacker looked like that uh, she had to have known him and that she was trying to protect him and eventually mm -hmm. she was just like i'm getting the fuck out of sex and she moved. I think she moved to Oklahoma or something. So she moves away. Okay. Um, so please don't know who do this. And people kind of like they they look about it, but they're like also it's Texarkana, right? So I mean, this town is like full of violence. So they're like, well, this sucks, but you know, uh, you know, uh, I guess these things kind of happen. Uh, but then on March twenty fourth, nineteen forty six, Richard Griffin and Polly Ann Moore went to a midnight movie and a cafe for snacks. Um, then on the way home, they pulled off the highway to park. Their bodies were found in a car along Bowie County Highway 67. Both had been shot with a 32 revolver. Richard's pants are also around his ankles. And people are getting freaked out, but they're not making the relationship between what happened to Mary Jean and Jimmy and right. to these murders. Mainly because sometimes I think these cops are kind of dickish. Because eventually when we go through this, Mary Jean comes back and she's like, this is the same guy. And they're like, no, sweetie. You're lying. You knew that yeah. guy. Um, 
Also, everybody came out and stomped all over the crime scene, which was already really bad because it was raining. But everyone was like, we want to come look at the murder bodies. So they're all out there. And someone said the crowd was so large that at one point, two drunk women, and this was after the the bodies and cars had been moved, they got into a fight and one of the women shoved the other one down and tried to push her nose into the blood. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Texarkana, you were special. Texarkana fucking likes to party. Good Lord. Party in some very weird ways. Weird so. ways. <laughs> hey, you know. Yeah, yep. so it's kind of gross, but it's weird fucking ways. Party. Yeah. So crime scene completely destroyed. They completely botched mm-hmm. it, and so. But even if they had it, it's like forty six. So they don't know who did this. Right. Um. So that was. What did I say? What was March? It was March. Yeah. So that was March. Then uh, a couple of weeks later, April fourteenth. Betty Jo Booker, who was 15, and she had just finished playing her gig with, on her saxophone with her band, The Rhythm Mares, at a local VSW club. She's Aww. fucking adorable. Oh, my God. She is just the cutest little Texas girl. I think that's Arkansas girl, but we'll say she's Texas. But um, she claimed plays her this that, time. <laughs> we're claiming because she's cute. We're claiming Betty Jo. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she was a saxophone player, and, like, so they, she was in, like, this teenage big band. And Aww. so, like, when World War II happened, a lot of the teenagers started filling in for all the older band members who went away and joined the service and so then they just kept doing it so they're like and then they had like this like there's the three girls that were in the band i think it was like a 15 piece band or something but it was a it was big it was a big band (laughs) so um there was another girl who played the trumpet and it was just oh there and their name was the rhythm Maris, which i just think is the cutest little big band name um mm-hmm. so they were playing a dance that night and if you went as a woman you could win one of eight pairs of nylon stockings so that was one of the ways they were trying to get come in win some hose uh, so um her friend Paul Martin, who was visiting from Kilgore, um, came to meet her up. Now, Paul had moved away, but he knew Betty Jo from when they were younger, and they both went to, like, uh, Texarkana, one one of the high schools on the Arkansas side. Uh, But he had moved away, and he came back, and he was like, hey, Betty Jo, like, you want to hang out? And she's like, sure, Paul, and then tells her friend who is supposed to take her home, like, I'm going to go home with Paul. So She's 15, for the record, right? She's 15. He's 17. So, okay. um, so yeah. Okay. So, it's, you know, they meet up at about 2 a.m. Um, they were supposed to go to a midnight. This town is a late night town. I'm going to tell you. Like, these kids are out, like, they're going to midnight movies. They're going, they're staying out. So, they were supposed to go to uh, a slumber party at Betty Joe's friend's house, and they're going to go meet up with everybody there. Um, but instead of doing that, on the way, on the way there, uh, they stopped at Spring Lake. No, we don't know why they stopped at Spring Lake. They had not been romantically linked, but I'm also thinking per our episode, there was a boy who was like, hey, I haven't seen you since you're a little girl and you're real damn cute. Let's go hang out here and talk. Anyways, um, so, but unfortunately, uh, Paul would be found shot dead laying on the shoulder of the road and her body would be found two miles from the town. Um, so yeah, real sad. So, but now the town is really starting to freak out, especially because now we've got teenagers. So the other couples right. were young, but they weren't this young. They weren't yeah. like, and especially a Betty Joe, who is like, you know, a town, you know, she goes to church. She like, she's in the band. Everybody loves yeah. her. And so now they're like, whoa, oh. this is happening to the good kids, which I hate when that happens. But so the town's freaking out. 
And they bring in the Texas Ranger, Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez. And he comes in from Dallas to lead the investigation. And he begins holding press conferences at the downtown Grimm Hotel. I love the name of the hotel. The Grimm Hotel. Um, so he was just made for the press. He was made for these pictures. He was described by the reporter, Louis Swampy Graves. Also, a really fantastic <laughs> name. What? what? Yeah. So he described uh, Lone Wolf Gonzalez as he was wearing sharply creased whipcord trousers with a short jacket, boots with a high sheen, carrying pistols with ivory handles all crowned with a Stetson. And oh my fucking God, those pistols. Those pistols. Mm. Holy shit. They, I honestly looked at them and I'm like, this is what a yeah. cartel drug lord member would want. Like you can, yeah. So they are in exhibit at the Rangers Hall of Fame Museum in Waco. In Waco, yeah, I've been. So just as a quick quick overview, I mean, most people, I mean, have heard of the Texas Rangers in some way, shape, or form, uh, whether it be from Walker, Texas Ranger, or something else. But as a quick overview, the Texas Rangers are a law enforcement agency in the state of Texas. They directly report basically, not basically, through the governor. Um, there's a limited number. They're st- uh, they have... Um, outposts throughout the state of Texas, and they are generally brought in for major invest- major crimes investigations if it's outside the purview of the local police, or they are brought in if the local police themselves need to be investigated in some way, shape, or form. That's my quick overview. But they do have, in uh, Waco, Texas, <laughs> they do have their Hall of Fame uh, and, and museum, but they are, they're a legacy. They're like the only true form of like, other than state troopers, they're the other like state police of any kind in texas so and they do obviously have a very colorful and you know really interesting history whether some people have feelings about it but they have a very interesting they have a very interesting history some of it is not so bueno but they also you know have some pretty cool stuff um so i mean six and little hound we're not gonna get into that but i will say they definitely had some cool ass fucking guns so um he had two cult uh they were cult 1911s um so the two that they have at the museum they're factory engraved with gold inlay cutaway trigger guards gold monogram with his initials on the right and a long horn on the left of the grips and then each is inscribed near the trigger with the motto never draw me without cause nor shield me with dishonor ah so good so good bad badass shit right there yeah and then he also had this oh my god he had revolver yeah the smith and wesson 44 and it had a black finish with gold engraving and also a cutaway sugar guard and gold and silver engraved engraved grips on one side there's a medallion on the right side there's a buffalo indian heads and then his initials on each side of the grips and i was like oh my lord that engraving would put any any lowrider impala engraving to shame yeah it was yeah. stunning uh stunning engraving on that on that yeah. revolver yeah and you can see them um let's uh, found the links you can see these yeah if you're I'll put, I'll put, them, we'll link them up um, yeah we'll post really links cool in the show notes and we'll probably post pictures of them on ig just so you can see how pretty these are um so chat podcast <laughs> so um Obviously, based on that description, he literally looks like, if you look at pictures of them, he looks like every picture of a Texas Ranger that you could ever imagine, just like he is a stock. Although he was one of the first um, leaders of that, like his position of like Spanish descent. Um, 
he was actually came from Spain, but uh, all the ladies in town, they said, were just like swooning over him. They're like, Woo, oh my God, lone wolf. Ah, <laughs> um, so anyway, so he's is that, brought is in. That a this- pist- is that a pistol in your pocket? <laughs> yeah. You just happen to see me. All right. <laughs> so he starts investigating, but really while he's investigating, he's leading a bunch of stuff. He's doing good things, but he does end up being kind of more of like a press figurehead. Um, but I thought it was really funny when, you know, he's like starts questioning people and he told the editor of the, of the Gazette, Texarkana has more human driftwood than I've ever been in other than San Antonio or El Paso. You have more petty thieves, more prostitutes, more pimps, more of an underworld than any big city. That's insane. Like, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know, our, I don't know, Texarkana got down like that. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, all yeah, right then. The, that I mean, was, a, I, was it just, I mean, was it just because it was a border and on the river, everybody was just like, let's fucking party. Like, I, I mean, or is it the outside of the purview of the, of the more staunch Bible belt that you find in some of the larger cities? Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of part of it. Yeah. Part of it was just because when it was settled, there wasn't a lot of law enforcement. And yeah, so I mean, there was just sense, like yeah. really weak laws. And so these things kind of put up and then part of it had to do with where the railroads were coming in yep. and how close it was to actually um, like Illinois and just, you know, cl- it was based it's geographical location, put it close to Dallas It put it close to, you know, That's you fair. could go up and get the mob stuff coming in from above um, mm-hmm. and things coming in from the side. And then, you know, uh, shady people are drawn to shady people. So, you know, once you get a big group of them, you know, they're just gonna hang out. And I don't think Texarkana is that way anymore. But I, I was gonna say, do we need to go? Do we need to go check out Texarkana? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes, I would like to go check out Texarkana. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm like, hmm. especially like, I mean. All some of those brothels have to not still be around, but like the buildings. The buildings, to, yeah. Then we can find some haunted prostitutes. Oh God, Diana's like, God damn it, Liz! Like, like I want to see. I want to. Diana wants to go see the cool buildings. Diana doesn't want to see the ghosts. Oh my God! But haunted like ghost hookers. Ah, <laughs> they would be so much fun. Oh. They would. They would. They would have. We would have party so hard with the ghost with hookers. The ghost hookers. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. They're investigating and it's really hard and they're like interviewing lots of people and they start setting traps, including what I'm going to call the Bugs Bunny plan. So the rangers would have a man drive out to a deserted road with a dressed up female mannequin, which they they ship this in instead of like buying them locally to keep it secret. And then the other cops were like, well, this is a good idea. But instead of getting mannequins, they would just have one of the other cops dress up as a woman and then they would go out together and then pretend to park. And you know, they were not dressing up like in good drag like you know no these no this is awful this is gonna be terrible <laughs> like they're probably just like the world's ugliest women that you've uh-huh. ever seen which it just reminds me of like bugs bunny anytime when he wants to catch homer fun he's like i'm just gonna dress up like a i don't remember if it was catching homer fun but i just remember bugs bunny dressing up as like a female yeah. in order to catch poorly people. Yeah. poorly and i was like yep so this is our bugs bunny plan to capture the killers which shockingly didn't work what no way yeah that's crazy yeah so the town is also they're buying up all the guns they can they're sold out everywhere um 
they've sold out all the ones in, in there. All the guns in Dallas are gone. Uh, people start wanting a curfew for teens. They cancel the midnight movies. And the rumor mill just starts going full force. And so all these untrue stories are circulating. Like they were saying, oh, the girls are mutilated. And so, and like they have their boobs cut off and all these things are just making it worse. And folks are like starting, they're putting up booby traps in their houses. They're shooting at their neighbors when they show up unannounced. There's one story of like this church woman who shot another at another church woman with the rifle because she didn't recognize her car when she came up. Oh yeah. Get a little trigger happy up there. Yeah, they're, they're scared. And, you know, I mean, I would be too. I lived out in the middle of fucking nowhere and someone's like selling people. But mm-hmm. all right. So then um so this during this time while they're going through reporting this is when the the killer gets labeled as the phantom so that came from the texarkana gazette uh Um, they just were just like we have to get a get ahead of this we have to get something to call him so because we can't catch him he's going to be the phantom phantom. so that's stuck that's been his name forever uh so but it also like didn't help calm things down. It's not like, oh my god, the phantom's gonna get me. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, give it a creepy name. That's really gonna. That's calm gonna be down. Like, I think like if we really want to take, let's not let's not sensationalize this at all. Let's just call it the phantom. Yeah, and I that'll think make we, yeah, we need to stop giving serial killers scary names. Like even like the douchiest name possible because that's what they deserve. You're fucking you, the scum of the earth. So let's give them like you know like shit stain. So you know the shit stain killer mm-hmm. is out again. This, the twat the twat waffle has attempted another murder. Douche canoe, <laughs> douche canoe is at it again. Cock wobble is just going <laughs> after it, you know. And I think we would like people would be less afraid and they would not feel empowered. You know, uh, you know, like BTK. A lot of them want the new. They, they want the notoriety. Yeah, well, BTK named his fucking self. So did yeah. Sen and Sam, you know, and yeah. it was all because they wanted media attention and they want mm-hmm. people to give them. So if I, like, sorry, Wichita, like, if you've been there and someone says, I think you should name me BTK because it's by torture kill, they'd be like, fuck you, Dennis. I didn't know they knew it was Dennis at the time. But they were just like, no, we may call you, like, booby twat cockwalker, but we know we're not going to call you. <laughs> but we're not going to call you it because you picked out some, like, fucking, like, tough sounding name fuck you yeah 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 that's just my theory i like it we should we should pitch that to me stop giving him scary names give him like borderline offensive like or even like if you have to make it like tv appropriate like like Dorcas, Dorcas <laughs> butt face you know or something butt like face. that the butt face killer <laughs> <laughs> The, the duty head um you know you gotta make it pg for like tv news you know something awful like that there you go that's what yeah. i got all right all right so, okay so 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 cock so cock wobbler cock wobbler or whatever we're gonna call him so all right so now it's may so we've had you know so these really started in february it's now may uh, on may 3rd virgil starks he was 36 and he's sitting in a chair in his farmhouse and someone shot him through the back of his head through his window so he's just sitting in his chair listening to the radio and someone shot him in the goddamn head so his wife katie she was 35 she hears the glass shatter and she thought somebody was breaking in so she comes downstairs and then she like finds her husband is shot she runs to her phone to call the police and two more shots come through the window and one hits her in the left cheek exiting behind the right cheek and the second entered through her jaw dislodging several teeth before the billet lodged itself under her tongue it was under her tongue now katie badass 
fucking love she's Katie. Bad, she's a bad bitch. Yeah. So she is all, she's just smart. I like smart women. She's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drop to the floor and I'm going to make him think I'm dead. And she was like that way. Cause he's clearly can see me through the window. Cause he just shot me. She's yeah. like, I'm going to drop out his line of vision. I'm getting on the floor. So she drops in the floor and she's had two shots in her face. Okay. And she's like, okay, what am I going to do? So she's crawling on her hands and knees and she's getting to the back of the house. And then she opened the door to their kitchen. And that's when she saw him climbing through a window on the back porch. Oh, and all she could no. see was like a knee and a leg. So she's in this room and you just see like a knee and a leg coming oh, through a window. And you're scary. like, oh my God. So then she just turns around and she hightails it back through the other way through the house. And it was a shotgun style house. Um, there's, you don't know, shotgun houses are yeah. basically just think of it like it's bedroom, 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 like kitchen, living room, bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. So she's like running mm-hmm. through all these rooms. And she goes, she gets out of the house. She runs down the driveway. She runs across the highway and the railroad tracks trying to get to her sister's house with her face bleeding. And so she went and she's pounding on the door to her sister's house and her sister doesn't answer. Sister's not home. So then she runs to another home. It's like 50 yards away and she knocks on the door and she's crying for help. And thankfully that guy was home and he opened up the door and he sees Katie and he's like, what the fuck? And he grabs his rifle and he shot it in the air to call help for his neighbors. So we also have another thinking person. So good thinking people. Um, So his neighbor comes, um, And so they grab her and they drive her to the hospital, which was 10 miles away. Also, like the the couple's house that she knocked on, like him, his wife, and their baby get in the car. Well, I guess also I probably wouldn't want to leave my baby there either. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to leave your wife and baby behind. Yeah, that's true. These guys like across the street. But still, I get it. You're like, you think like someone just, you stay here and we'll take her. Or maybe send wife and baby with her and he stays there. I don't know. I I don't know. So, but they, they drive, they get her to the hospital. And this badass bitch survives. So, Katie, you fucking rock. Um, sorry about your husband, but damn on you, girl. That was that was awesome. Take two shots to the face and fucking yeah. run across, run across the fucking highway and get help and ma- live to see the next day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now the town is just going bad shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're calling the cops for all kinds of prowlers. Like there's like, and there's so many false alarms, but the cops oh, yeah. have to like go investigate every one of them. Of course. One, which they thought was for real, real. They're like, oh, there's two dead bodies in the front yard, but it turned out to be two cows, which had escaped from a cattle truck. And so there was a cattle truck downtown. The cows escaped and they just start <gasps> running through town. And they're like, we're just going <laughs> to sleep in this yard. And then like, so now there's these sleeping cows that get woken up by a bunch of cops. That's hilarious. I know. This cows. is all a very sad story, but come poor on. Cows. Like, the poor cows are probably like, what? what? Like, <laughs> and they're also like, our freedom. No, no. we were so close. We have to go to the slaughterhouse now. <laughs> I really uh, hope they let those cows live. Like, I feel like if you no. were like a cow, if you're smart enough to escape from like a cattle truck, like, you should just get a pass. Like, cool. Like, you made it out, man. Like, <laughs> rest you out of luck. But the two, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You have to go. We, we need some steak. But, but cool. you, like, you're a smart cow. You can live. You can teach other cows. Well, I guess then they could teach other cows to be smart. And then we just have smart cows then escaping we, then we don't everywhere. Have beef. Yeah. Then we don't have steak anymore. Then we have to eat impossible burgers. Uh, mm-hmm. um, creepy, creepy impossible burgers. I won't eat them. I like, I like vegetables and I'll eat vegetables. I, I love a that. veggie burger, but impossible burgers and they just creep me out. Yeah. Vegetables shouldn't bleed like that. That's, oh, it's weird. That's Stop weird. trying to make vegetarian food taste like meat. 
If you yeah. want to be vegetarian, be vegetarian. It's okay. Yeah. That's what I stand yeah. by. Otherwise, just eat meat. That's that's Diana. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> Diana's trope that. for the evening. Yep. There you go. That's my that's my soapbox for tonight. You're welcome for that. All right. Whereas so, I'm just so like the cows. The, the, the cows. The cows. We. I don't know what happened to the cows. Um, the cows got woken up though, if nothing else. Cows got woken they up. Not, they were not dead bodies. It was cows. Yep. And they went. They went through over a thousand suspects. Good and Lord. nobody was in this ever, tiny town. Yep. Well, they were pulling people from all over. Oh, like oh, they were sure, bringing yeah, in people point. from like they were, and they pulled a lot of females too. And I guess this was prior to mm-hmm. you know like, um, but clearly at this point they're like some man. Um, but and they finally accepted that the the first ones were related. But um, they went through a thousand suspects and nobody was ever convicted for it. Um, so there's two main suspects, and I won't go into the details. Uh, there's certainly uh, there's a bunch of really good books out there, and I'll link them in the show notes. Um, but I think the main one that I would recommend is The Phantom Killer by James Presley. So he has a really good theory about one of the killers, uh, one of the suspected killers. And then there's another guy who committed suicide in 1948. And he left a a note saying that he was responsible for some of them. And that seems pretty like good evidence, but, um, but yeah, this people are still, people are still trying to solve this. You know, this has happened in 1946 and people are still like going through the the crime scene and photos and what they can to try and figure out what it is. Um, so yeah, they actually made a movie about it. The town that it was a town that feared sundown. Uh, yeah. So that's That's the, that's the phantom, the phantom and it's Texas. Yay. Okay. Yeah. So all right, so I do like that the that the three stories. I feel like the stories are really overlapped, though. Like you talk about three separate sets of legends, and they are overlapped to them. And I can see the poetic license, if you will, taken in connecting them in a variety of of shows and movies and things like that, where they do kind of intertwine aspects of them. Um, but it's a well, and there's that. also some, you know, some made, I think some carryover themes in it. I one kind of that women are weak, which is not the best theme, but you know, there's also, you know, just the morality part of it. Right. Yes. And I think, cause we come into, we get further down, we start figuring out, you know, get, as we get back to the episode, you know, we're going to talk about that morality portion of it and why this is happening. So I think it really does make sense to overlap with them. And also they probably just like, we need a little bit more meat than just one of them. And so since they all has some similar thematic things going through it, I think it, it made sense, but yeah. yeah. So now we can, we can jump back to the show. All right, so back to the show. So just to remind you where we are at, they had just figured out that that Jerusalem cross that was on the wall was also hanging from the hook hand. Hanging from the hook hand. Yep. And they're like, they're sitting on the car and they're talking about what they got to do. They're like, hey, we got to go, we got to go burn and salt things and do our our business. And we got to go to a frat party first. Well, yeah. And they also like, oh man, he's in an unmarked grave. Womp, womp. That's not going to be easy. Um, yeah, that was my immediate question is how the fuck do you find an unmarked grave? <laughs> they show oh, us how that means. But like my like my thought of an unmarked grave means like there's literally not a marker 
on it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Well, not, yeah we'll, it's not named, but we'll get there. <laughs> so yeah, like, we'll get there because I yeah. also have many comments about um, what an unmarked grave means. So yeah. the dean also has figured out this has to do with Lori. So they're making that connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're saying they're talking about how it may or may not be connected either to um, obviously you know since it's not connected to the Nine Mile Road or Nine Mile. Yeah, I had to think which which one. I'm like which one's the M and M one, which one's this episode? <laughs> the Nine Mile Road that it could be connected to either Lori's father, the Rev or to Lori herself and they're in their trying, but mostly they're thinking the rev at this point and, um, and, and moving on that. So, um, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, now it's party time. Party time. Um, I, I actually, I, I, I thought about this. It's like, well, this is party is probably where they're staying. It is. So I don't funny. think, yeah, I know. So it was like, cause at first I was like, why are you at a fucking frat party? I'm like, Oh, this is probably the houses. I guess you went to like clean up or something. And then of course, like, and of course none of the, you know, Hey, someone was just butchered at your sorority house. Let's go dance. Yay. Frat house. But yeah, but yeah. So, and then like, and of course Dean is very sadly departing with the blonde chick that was playing pool staring at him yeah I, I thought what was really funny was when sam's talking about the pattern that he found mm-hmm. he's like oh yeah i found a pattern so in 1932 there was a clergyman arrested for murder and in 1967 seminarian held in hippie rampage <laughs> and i was like oh my god so that i'm just picturing like what the hippie rampage was and i was like so was he getting the hit I, I don't know. I have many different versions. Hippie like, rampage. I, yeah, if we could get a side project about the hippie rampage, I would really like to hear what that <laughs> what that is. Um, so Dean decides to Dean's job is to go off and look for the unmarked grave, and is sad about leaving the party. Sam is going to be watching Lori. That's their assignments to uh, try to solve this this mystery. Right, um, and they're and I running. Literally wrote down. It seems it would be difficult to find an unmarked old grave. <laughs> Yeah. And so the running themes that, you know, that they're going on right now is that the preachers are trying to save people from immorality. Right. And they think maybe it's a poltergeist um, and that the, the spirits latching on to the reverend's repressed emotions and feeding off of them. And that the preacher might not even know it's happening. It could just be reacting to him and his feelings is basically what their implication at this point is. Right. So this is also what happens, you know, if you're really judgy about people and you're really thinking that they're being immoral and that offends <laughs> you and some poltergeist is going to come and it's going to feed on your repressed emotions of being a dick and then it's going to go off and kill people so don't be a dick okay so <sighs> so now we're going to the the cemetery. old north cemetery and he's looking around with a flashlight he found finds a headstone finds an unmarked <laughs> grave which is not it finds a headstone with no name but it has a jerusalem cross on it's, it that is not an unmarked grave. grave that is a marked grave because the marking is the location of the grave just because there doesn't have a yeah. name on it yeah. and if you look at my notes grave. it says that looks marked to me this unmarked grave means that that's like a mound like i mean nothing like there's not a there's just a a, you're just throwing in a fucking pile of dirt and yeah. left to rot yeah. yeah that's what that means very different but anyway, anyway. okay so we'll he, stop, so, we'll he's, and he's, so he's so he's so i know we'll stop judging the terminology of unmarked grave and so he starts so dean starts digging is basically yeah. where we're at then dean yeah. starts digging trying to dig the grave up because he knows he needs to salt and burn those bones yeah, and then they, when we cut to Sam is looking in the preacher's house and Lori and the Rev are fighting. I'm like, you guys need to work on your communication skills. Like, <laughs> I get it, you're 18 and you have a lot of drama, but like your her roommate was just killed, Dad. Like, 
maybe ease up on her like get her some soup and a grilled cheese like you know this is time to be loving dad not angry dad and granted she also has a lot of rage in her and that girl has got some some yeah. issues but i'm like damn like calm the but fuck we find down. out we find out why they're fighting in a minute though yeah yeah you know it's true but i'm like this is not something i've been talking about right now inappropriate um so we get cut back and dean is digging up the grave and so hermione alert um i had to look up to see how long it would take to dig a grave and dear god i'm on some of the worst lists in the world right now yes, uh, so yes, uh, it's like how long does it take to grit to dig a grave by hand so scientifically calculated it's going to be uh between six to nine hours if it was six foot deep but we could see dean's head above where he actually hit the grave so i think then it was less than six feet so i'm going four to five feet four to five feet but still that would probably cut down the timing to like four to five hours for one person to do it um not the hour and a half that that sam's been watching the house yeah, I mean, unless seem, Dean is just super buff and like super, and also you gotta think that grave is like got really old dirt in it, and that makes a difference in how like easy it is to dig something up. Yeah, it's not loose. But, yeah, it's you gonna be packed dead. It's been rained there for a while, so get a backhoe. Um, okay, and then we're gonna go back, and then we're crossing back to Lori comes out and say, see Sam sitting outside her house, and Creepy. he was yeah, and he's like, I was keeping an eye on the place, and she thinks it's sweet, and then my note is, I am going to change her name to Bella. Uh, so Bella <laughs> starts crying she thinks, and whining. She thinks, she thinks stalking's adorable. Noted. Okay. Yep. Uh, crazy guy, just mad, is outside my house. I, I've seen him drive past me and look at show up at my church and oh that's so sweet he likes me Um, so but you know she blames herself she thinks she's cursed Um, but she also reveals at this point that she's pissed why she's fine with her dad yeah, I'm going to pause because there is a cutback after she's done crying. That does go to, this is me on my douche meter train. It does go, they go back and show like a dirty, sweaty Dean burning the bones. And that's true. They did I was, I was okay with that in a lot of ways because he was covered in dirt and sweat. And yeah, in so my, yeah, in a, in a grave. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. No wonder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He's dirty, sweaty, and in a grave. You just clicked oh. all of Liz's buttons. Okay. So saying, my, Liz, Liz's little goth girl is coming out right now. Uh, yeah. Somebody, yeah, my douche meter is up. Sorry. I'll take that hit. All right. So now we go back and we find out why she's fighting. So the reason her and her dad are fighting is because her dad, good old the Rev here, is seeing a married woman who's part of the congregation and she's pissed because she's like this woman and her family come to church and my dad's up there preaching about morality but he's banging her yeah Yeah. basically yeah no my words were uh they're fighting because this reverend fucks (laughs) so this reverend fucks (laughs) so we have another face to fucks (laughs) and he fucks a married woman and she's getting super judgy too and i'm like girl like yeah i know um he's being very hypocritical and she's like you know he taught me to believe you do something wrong you will get punished i'm like that's awful like that's so old testament and i get it you're a reverend and stuff but i mean but that's kind of karmic if you want to go even that way if you do bad things bad things come back to you if you do good things good things come back to you so i mean like that's kind of the kind it's not just like a punished but it's like you know i mean it's perspective but also it also is super i I understand her like i mean you're 18 this is she's probably like first seeing the flaws in her parents which i think is a tough time 
I'm going to get a little, I'm not trying to get too analytical on a fucking hour long episode here with a character that's not probably going to be developed any further. But I think that that could tie in too as to like, okay, obviously she's been like, you know, it's just her and her dad, her mom's deceased is the implication. And then the, and you know, dad's a preacher. So he's like giving her the outline to life. And they're sitting, sitting here battling back and forth because he's worried about her doing, making bad choices at the sorority house when at the same time he's living a very hypocritical life. And that's where yeah. she's really upset about. So I, I don't, I don't judge too much on the morality police portion of it, except for the fact that the hypocrisy side. And I think that that's what her biggest challenge is. That's what I got. Yeah, no, I, I, I get where I understand why she's upset at the same time. She's being judgy. Uh, so Some, sometimes being judgy is okay. <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know, I'm a, I, I am a judgmental as fuck person. At the same time, I will judge people for being judgy because that's how judgmental I am. So we're going to get all the judges. There we go. Um, like judgmental squared. All right. Yeah, but I'm not also not going to judge somebody for, you know, puritanical values. Anyways, so um, she, and then, okay, now I am going to judge somebody for puritanical values because they do have, and then she hugs Sam mm. and she moves in to kiss on him, kiss him. And I'm like, damn. That was a weird choice. That was a weird choice. So I was like, wait, what? I mean, I know I'm making googly eyes, but this dude is just sitting outside of your house. Your date, your last, the last date you went on got fucking murdered. Your roommate's murdered. And now you're going to kiss this dude. This that is you the don't second, know. this is the second time you've talked to him and yeah. he's stalking you. And, and so you're, you're going to kiss you're, him. And you're just like, let's make out. But, you know, also, I would do that. I mean, if well, I had, I mean, it you could know, be, I if mean, Jared you know, Padalecki was sitting in front of me and I was real sad. And then I was like, you know what would make me less sad? Making out with Jared Padalecki. Like, I think that would, have, that would help me a lot. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like if you, you know, sometimes you just need some human contact. Yep. Sometimes you need someone to tell you that you're pretty and touch you where you're be you know so um anyway so sam kisses her back at first and then he is a good guy and he pulls mm -hmm. away and he's like yeah this is a little you know, you're going through some shit too, this is too much too much yeah yeah like, yeah I, I get where you're doing but no so he's good and then her dad comes out and he asks her to come in and then she clearly shows off how adult she is i'll come in but i'm ready yeah. um and then bam hook to the chest Hook to the chest from the back to the, to the rev. So, and then um, Sam takes off the shotgun. I'm like, oh, damn it, Sam's got a gun again. Uh, so, and then the ghost is taking him all the way upstairs. This ghost's a fucking jerk. He yeah, like scratches things and makes weird noises. He makes people run up multiple flights of stairs. And that's just rude. Like, you could have just taken him down the hall. And why are you taking him Seemed up on the stairs? Seemed unnecessary. So unnecessary. Jerk ghost. Um, and very in shape, apparently. Very in shape. Um, so, but then Sham, Sam does shoot the ghost with a rock saw and he hits oh. it. Yay, Sam! He hit it and it dissipates. All yes. right. Uh, so, then we're going to flash. So, we're now in the hospital. And, and, in, and in the midst of this, um, we did leave out. So, when, when I'm sorry, right before, um, right before this happened, Dean did burn the bones. Yep. Dean did get the burns, the bones lit on fire. Oh, yeah. That, that happened when he was sweaty. Yeah, when he was I real just, sweaty, he got distracted by the sweat. So yeah, I did park sweating, it there that he burned the bones. I just forgot to mention it because I was just yeah. So he did already burn them, which we thought was going to be the resolution to this to this beast or apparition or whatever. And obviously it was not because Hookman just stabbed Rev in the chest and then Sam had to shoot him with a salt gun. Yep. Um so 
now we're like WTF? Why is the, the hookman guy still? <laughs> What's wrong with your lore? Don't you know how this works? You burn so, the bones. So yeah. Now okay. we're back. Now we're at the hospital uh, where Sam is getting questioned by the sheriff again. Um, he's been, and he's being so polite. He's he, like, he, yes, sir. Polite. yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. And um, basically the sheriff's like, uh, y'all need to like. Well, the sheriff says, son, seems every time I'm turned around, I'm seeing you. And I'm like, sir, you have seen him once. You yeah. turned around and saw him once. Get off your fucking sheriff high horse. Um, anyways. Um, so Dean gets to the hospital to meet him and there, and Sam's like, what the hell, man? Why didn't you burn the bones? Dean's like, well, I did. Um, and this is kind of where they figure out that, where they're figuring out that the hook man may not be latched on to the rev, but onto Lori and that there's some other reason why torching the bones did not work at this point. Yep. And also one of my comments there is the sheriff is right there. Can you talk a little further down the hall or go to the car? Like you don't need to have this conversation right in the hallway outside of the room. This seems like, this seems like secret squirrel stuff. Maybe you should have this conversation outside. Just saying boys. Um, Yep. So um, but then they're like, hey, what did we miss? What did we miss? The hook. Dun, dun, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so it's back to research. And I'm like, yeah, we're going back to the library. All right. So we're back in the library. And Dean has a logbook from the Iowa State Penitentiary, which yeah. is awesome. But, but also what the fuck? unlikely, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, so this is the best library error ever. It also seems there are a lot of rare books and archival material on that table, and my inner librarian is starting to get real mad. Um, she she's raging up. My take gonna take my glasses off. I'm about to take my hair out of its bun. Um, so, <laughs> all right, so they find out the hookman's effects went to the prisoner's house of worship, which was the Saint Barnabas Church where she lives. And he's like, I'm going to check the church records, which are also, also there and very well kept of things they received at that time. Yep. So, and then like, so they're looking through them and Jesus fucking Christ, they have just thrown books all over the place. They're everywhere. And these are rare books and they're all on their spines and they're just thrown around and they're like lounging in the library. You must be punished. I'm just like, damn, my, my uh, inner library is like turning red, like <laughs> the buttons on like my well, red I'm just like. Voucher. Fuck, I didn't even, I'm impressed with just the records they have there. And he's about to have an aneurysm over the book care. I'm just like, damn, damn, yeah. those are detailed notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't spend many years getting a graduate degree in, in rare books. I did not. So, I did not. Um, anyway, so he's reading in these very well-kept records that are legible too. They're also. Yeah. Oh yeah, very legible, like really legible. <laughs> for something written in the 1800s um so he was like oh saint barnabas donations in 1862 they received a silver medal hook from the state penitentiary but it was reforged womp womp and they <sighs> melted it down and they made it into something else um so not gonna be anything silver inside the church or the house at this point yep so, so they're like okay yeah go ahead. do they go back to the church and how the where where they where the, the rev and daughter live and um uh are just trying to gather everything silver in the church uh-oh i leave no no i'm about to say this that's my finger actually uh, nobody else sees the diana but i'm making the finger for my douche meter that's about oh, to go oh is it gone okay uh-oh uh-oh because they're like hey you what which one are you gonna search you're gonna search the house you're gonna search oh, the church. oh yeah oh and god 
Sam's like, I'll search the house. And Dean's like, stay out of her There's underwear, her underwear drawer. drawer. <laughs> Douche meter. So hard. Yeah. Douche right. meter galore. I was slightly impressed that there's a fucking incinerator in the basement of the church. Yeah. <laughs> oh my well, God. Okay. Yeah, and they're throwing all the fire in there. And also, Hermione alert, um, I had to check to see what the melting point of silver was. Because I was like, well, you know, because it really also just kind of looked like a wood stone. But I was like, well, how can can you burn silver? Just like yeah. on like a wood fire. And you can. It's so the melt, metal, right? Yeah, the melting point of silver is 1,763 degrees Fahrenheit or 961.8 degrees Celsius. And depending on the type of wood and the conditions involved, a wood fire can begin to burn at around anywhere from 300 to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. But they can get up to about 1,600. So you can melt it, but they would just have to have a really constant heat source. So... They could do it, but yeah. every time you're throwing a piece of silver in there, you are yeah. lowering the temperature of that fire. Right. So you, you'd have to be stoking that fire. Yeah, Dean, did you take off your shirt and like stoke that fire? Sorry, now my douche meter is really off the chart. There's you. That's all you. That's all you. That's, that's well, because I'm just picturing one. like, you know, like, you know, those old guys. He's got some like, bellows. The, the steam, this, yeah, this, this like, I, I'm a thing for like uh, blacksmiths. Like, I just always thought like that's one of the hottest like positions like anybody has ever worked in their life pun intended uh, <laughs> i like to i like to see them forge things uh, anyways okay so liz is done perving out all right so um they're in there and they're burning shit and then they they know someone's in the church above them yeah <laughs> And, and then it's Lori praying. Yeah, yeah. Did you notice when they the bulletin board when they opened up the church? No. There's a bulletin board right to their side, and it said "Reaping with Joy," and there's like flowers and stuff. What? I just thought that was hysterical. Oh, no. um, no. I also good for you on set design. Whoever came up with that, you're a fucking genius. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Sam goes to talk to Lori because she's praying in the church, and she basically talks about how she blames herself for everything that's happening much like an avenging angel and that she wants herself to be punished. So she's figured out that somehow it's tied to her or something she's doing. Um, Ooh, punish me. And I'm like, and I'm like, careful what you ask for. Ooh. And then, um, and so they hear a noise and obviously the hook man is now in the church because she's invoked him to punish herself is my read on this yeah. moment in the story. Mine too. So, um, so now he's coming for her, even though he's tied to her, which is kind of fun. I'm like, well, is it? Am I? I'm like, does that mean if he kills her, it, it ends? I don't know. Like, but what? I don't that's, know. Uh, that's a really good so, question. I don't know. I, I guess well, somebody else could take the. the anyways, um, so yeah. So, so Sam gets cut, and then he gets punched with the hook, and I'm like, damn. Yeah, that hurts. He flies like, from that one. I was like, that is a really ingenious. And it was like, I was thinking about it. It was like, well, if I was, if I had a hook and I was fighting people, that's better than, because if you like just stab them with the hook, like your hook could get like caught in them. Yeah. But if you're just punching with them, that's got to, that's like getting hit with brass knuckles. And so yeah. that would be Very my similar. way of using that. Um, okay. Not saying that I'm ever going to be fighting with a hook in my hand, but you know, hey. Um, so they're running, they're, they're oh, getting hit. They're running, uh, <laughs> Anyways, so um, they're running around. And they're running, they're running. The and Dean shows up with uh, a gun uh, with the salt. And so starts shooting at the hook man. Uh, and it's right around this time. So the hook man gets, he shoots at the hook, hook man. And then this time is pretty much when Sam notices that Lori has on a silver fucking necklace with a cross. And so they take it off, take off her neck. And she, he's like, where did this come from? She's like, oh, dad said it's like an old relic from the church. So 
They take it off, and Dean goes to Barnett while Sam keeps the gun to fight. But and uh, I'm like, God damn it! They gave Sam that gun again, and I was like, geez, why didn't Sam go run? I mean, I guess he was hurt, but I'm like, yeah, Sam, why don't you go burn the things and let Dean shoot? Um, yeah, because like the cookman just takes a gun from Sam, just takes it away from him, just takes the gun away, knocks it out of his hand like a toy. Uh, but luckily, just in time, the necklace melts. And they did have a great melting burning effect. I really they did on the hook man. Yeah. On the yeah hook man. Like did. how the hook melted. The hook melted. And then the man burned up kind of like a charcoal piece of wood. Yeah. I thought that was, was a, a really good burn up. Yeah. I noted that too. It was a good effect for sure. It kind of felt very like, it reminded me like of a, of a log that had been burning too long and kind of turned like charcoal. That's what he looked like. Yeah. After the hook melted like the other silver did. So, um, all right. So, uh, Obviously, um, it's, you know, the, the, the hook man's gone. They defeated him and the uh, sheriff's back. So, uh, yeah, which, and one of my notes is why did they call the cops? Like at this point, unless your neighbors call the cops, like there's nothing on fire. There, I mean, there was some rocks all shot. Nobody's hurt except for Sam, and Sam could fix that himself. There's so, no unless property the- damage in a purse, in, in the purse, in the church during an ongoing investigation, I think uh, that might be. I don't know. I like at this point, I would be like, hey, let us get out of town and then you can call the cops. That's what I would do. You could have had a neighbor hear the gunshots. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I know. You never know if they called or someone else did. I'm going to assume Lori with her, you know, extreme morality probably would have wanted to call the cops. You never know. But either way, somehow the fucking cops are there. The sheriff's there. Um, and Dean tells the sheriff that, that they all saw the guy run off, the hook man run off. Um, and so he, that he ran off. Uh, which is probably wiser than ex- trying to explain that they shot him with rock salt and he burned up into nothing. Uh, if you don't want to be institutionalized. Um, so basically the sheriff's about to tell him that him and Sam need to leave town. And but Dean's kind of like, yeah, we know. we've heard this before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. And, but in the background, you see Lori and Sam are holding hands, Sam back goodbye to each other. I don't think you guys could hear my eye roll, but it happened. I mean, it was really, it, it was a really big eye roll. You may have been able to hear it on there, but yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, she thanks Sam for saving her life. And um, yeah, so the guys get back on the road. They leave in a uh, song, um, exit song for the driveway this time is a song called Dancing on a Wire. Uh, by a band called Key Grip out of New York City. Um, the lead singer also has his own label up there. Um, it, it appears this one may have also been used in the original episode from my research, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, that one I'm not positive on, that this one may have been a re-release. Um, I wasn't as sure on this one. Um, and uh, they seem to have not been active since about 2015 at this point, which was when their last uh, video was released. Yep. Um, and so while they're about to go away, like Dean tells Sam that they could stay. And I'm like, why? But I mean, I guess it's nice of him to be like, hey, my brother's made a connection. And so maybe, you know, we can let him have this moment. Yeah. And Sam just shakes his head. And he was like, no. I was just like, no, this is, I just met this girl like two days ago. Like, we're cool. Like, we can, we can, we can move on. Uh, Like, I just like half kissed her her once. Like, I don't need to, to stay in this town where everybody clearly doesn't like me anyways uh so and, they, and when they're driving away leo dean's watching Lori looking all sad from the side there and she's just alone oh. in there poor Lori. so that- all right that's episode seven uh i'm gonna say enjoyed it didn't scare me i th- i was wondering if this one would but you know 
Okay. Maybe you're growing. You're getting I don't, I don't, I don't, well, I don't really have an explanation of what gets under my skin and what doesn't. It's just kind of certain things do and certain things don't. I mean, I kind of made my list of things I don't like. I mean, we talked about those and I don't want to even list it again because it I invoke them every time I do, apparently, but it's the creepy eyes, it's the mirrors, and it's the super <laughs> shutter effect. So those kind of and those didn't really happen in this. I mean, like it was a like, you know, it was some creepy shit. Like, and it, you know, I guess me the heebie jeebies, but like normal heebie jeebies, not like fuck, I'm gonna cover my eyes. So, uh, which, which I have done watching episodes before. So, uh, or maybe I'm just putting my big girl panties on and adjusting to it more. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so I think I, I, I enjoyed the episode overall. It was like, I was a little confused, but I feel like Sam is so connected to Jess and his, um, mission to solve Jess's death. Um, and then suddenly connecting with Lori, that seemed a little out of, character to me but well, i also I mean she did the character so and she did say when she stopped she was like the yeah. person you lost so i mean yeah, it was this is i mean and he's still young i mean so like, while they were connected you know they weren't married they weren't engaged they were living together clearly um it's he's a been man in his early 20s yeah i mean they have they are ruled often by penises yeah. um and, you know, it's probably been at this point, even though this was supposed to be an earlier episode, probably, I would say, what, like six months after that? So it's fair. Yeah. I mean, maybe at that it's time, not like, like last week, you're not you going to like, you're not, yeah, he's not going to bang somebody, but he's going to be like, oh, so some um, affection might be nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe we'll he's like, out. I want someone to tell me I'm pretty and touch me where I pee. Maybe yeah. he thought that too. You maybe know, he thought that too. So either way, I thought that was interesting. This one really just gave Dean a lot of opportunities to be a douche canoe, but other, I like to say douchey shit. But otherwise, he was just kind of like, really, his role in this one, more than anything, was uh, to get shit done. Uh, with and make some snide comments. So I felt like that was kind of and to just, dig a know, grave. Well, get shit done. Let's get yeah. shit done. So yeah, <laughs> that was. I thought that was you know it was just kind of a little bit more of a utilitarian role for him as far as instead of being more of a like sometimes he's a talker or like trying to like figure shit out and not figure shit out but like he's always a more the more utilitarian role but a lot of times it involves more um, uh, manipulation. I think. Like, yeah. But if you think about it too, up, so. if you yeah, think sure. about it in terms of just, you know, I'm the older brother and I make things yeah. happen, you know, yeah, so no, I, I'm not, but he was also doing a lot of research. Like he was doing a lot yeah. of thinking, like he, he, yeah. he opened a lot of books and put them on their spines backwards. Um, but Whoa. you know, <laughs> yeah. probably so, like got teeth dust on them too. And then, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting on the characters. I, I felt like this was not an overall big character development episode in any way, other than just a, a continuation and following some legacy myths. That's what, in my opinion, yeah. but that, but that doesn't, it's not a fault. It's just an observation. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, you know, the, I think that also if you think about, you know, the initial intention of the show beyond just the, you know, the boys themselves, but the idea of we're going to be exploring folk folklore and urban yeah. legends and monster mm -hmm. of the week, like this was a very much a monster of the week. Yeah. And I appreciate a good monster of the week in the first season, I think you'll find out is, you know, continuously filled with those. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, I, I think it, the episode was fine. It was, you know, it's okay. as, as probably, I'll be like the, the most of the first season episodes. I'm just going to say it was fine. Um, there were some good moments, obviously. Um, I got my lady. Like, like Dean in a grave. I got my lady boner on. Yeah, you know, that happened. But um, yeah, so I think right. we can probably there wrap that go. up there. All right, so this yeah. was season one, episode seven, The Hook Man. Yes. 
Uh, so you can always follow us on Instagram at Devil's Trap Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's Trap Pod. You can email us all your lovely thoughts at Devil's Trap Podcast at Devil's Trap Podcast.com. And of course, like us, leave us reviews. Share. I will beg for your favors. Share, Share it for your friends. Um, yeah. So I think that's it. So uh, cheers, Strick. Cheers, bitch. Devil's Trap Podcast is a Don't Be a Dick production. Meow. Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Orozco. Meow. Meow.